Liberty and beyond. Flying in baseball? Yeah, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. Elementary, my dear Watson. What's in the box? Just what do you think they're doing, Dave? Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. But why male models? Why so serious? I am serious. Now don't call me sure. Well, nobody's perfect. Go ahead. Make my day. Welcome everybody to Pop Culture. I am Scott. I'm Jason. And I'm Monica. And this episode we are talking about Last Night in Soho, the new film from Edgar Wright, which I'm sure makes every film nerd everywhere just a little bit weaker than knees. <laughs> yes. He is a bit of a darling. So, uh, I'm not going to say it's his first serious film, but it's he's certainly his first film devoid of any kind of comedy, I think. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. It, yeah. It's a definitely a new direction for him, but I have to say he did it extremely well. I, I loved this movie very much. There's a lot to like about it. I really liked it. Mm. Yeah, like between the camera work and the, the change in the sound and the performances... Yeah, it's great. It was a um, and a somewhat refreshing ghost story. Yeah, that's actually a really good way to look at it. Really, um, it didn't. Uh, it didn't. It didn't break new ground, but it had a really good looking shovel. Yeah, <laughs> I think one of the criticisms with this film was just like um, Edgar Wright doesn't know how to do horror very well because it's his first foray, and I was just like, I don't necessarily find it to be a horror film. It just, you know, is a bit of a thriller with some ghostly elements. Yeah, well, it's being touted as a psychological horror film. Mm. And there, it's certainly got horrifying moments. I mean, my wife was very displeased with some of the imagery. Yeah, <laughs> not, not expecting it to be quite so, uh, you know, kind of disturbing in places. Mm. Thought yeah. it, she, I think she had it in her mind that it was going to be like a murder mystery. Like, but, but, you know, retroactive ghost medium murder mystery, but then there were like some pretty, like pretty nasty things happening. Yeah. It certainly comes across that way in um, all the trailers. Um, you think it is a murder mystery, but when you're sitting in the cinema, it turns out to be something that's extremely different. Um, I'm not sure if that was maybe a 
deliberate choice to throw people off track of what the film was going to be about and not spoil anything or if it was something that they just perhaps didn't quite understand yeah well it's i actually found it was quite a reflective film looking at a few themes mm -hmm. there that um i thought was actually the main purpose of it uh it, it was reflecting on um partially you know women's in the 60s you know have this representation of them then and um i guess mm -hmm. the gender politics of um being female and basically used and abused uh probably being one of the central points to it um it's it does become a horror film it doesn't start with that and that's why i can see how the psychological thriller concept came in because the fear isn't really obviously something coming from outside more than internal at the beginning so when we're following the main character through it feels like she's probably just losing the plot a bit and getting flights of fancy that uh are a bit spurious because it suggested that she had a breakdown and that something happened with her mother and we have all this sort of uh psychological background to um her and i have to say uh is it thomason is that how you say her name thomason mckenzie yeah thomason mckenzie was amazing in that um yes last time I'd seen her was I think Jojo Rabbit so oh, she's obviously yeah. grown, grown a bit and um it, she manages to really create this amazing innocence there that uh shows up like a sore thumb against the world she's entering of London and yeah, London. that yeah. sort of uh darker edge to it that a lot of people are sort of wanting uh in yeah. in terms of her fashion nemesis is you sort yes. of have that conflict there um <laughs> it's the most <laughs> just written like the worst human being you could come across yeah, <laughs> yeah. she was vile <laughs> yeah so it it really did um place you in a different spot which I think does make it a bit of a surprise. Um, I don't know about the not breaking new ground, but definitely I taking think you in one direction where you're certainly not expecting where it's going to go. And it's mm -hmm. not, not trying to be a twist. It actually builds to it uh, quite steadily and fairly, I think. Uh, I don't think it was much of a twist if people consider the end a, a twist. I don't think the end was so much a twist. There was one... I think one moment that bothered me, and it was a very heavy-handed scene with Terrence Stamp. That yeah. was a bit like oh, which bit? God. Yeah, yeah. The, the the like the the confrontation. Oh yeah. right, yeah. With really kind of badly written double-ended dialogue that was sort of like, oh, oh, he's not the guy, but she keeps. But it sounds like he's the guy because <laughs> he couldn't just be like, "Honey, I'm a cop." That's no. like <laughs> uh, it was just it was like oh Christ, bit of a red herring, I suppose. Uh, yeah, but like it felt kind of clumsy, like clumsily in your face. Yeah, I would say it's probably one of the very few missteps. Not that I've yeah, yeah, not that I've got many problems with the movie. That's like the one that just stuck out like a sore thumb in terms of like the kind of badly constructed cliches of this kind of like mystery genre. Yeah yeah i guess um to go back to what you were saying earlier jason as well with um ellie the main character i also felt like 
her portrayal of her character is sort of understanding the 1960s and romanticizing it, seeing it through rose-tinted glasses, and then you have that cut against the very real life that is led through Sandy. And I think the most affecting part of that was when you always see Ellie and Sandy almost always together in frame, whether it's through a reflection or she's seeing everything that's happening to to break down this idea that she had of this long forgotten era that she's so enamored with. And Mm. it it, it breaks her up a little bit. And that's very heartbreaking to watch. I was reading an interview with Edgar Wright after I watched it and he was saying that ultimately what he wanted to do was sort of be like, nostalgia can be dangerous if you yes. if you lean into it too heavily yeah i i got that um very much so it's almost like um revisionist history in a way yeah we look back on these times that like ah oh, if only i if only i'd got to live then things were so much better and mm. that and then like nah it was horrible and she gets to yeah she gets to experience it almost firsthand yeah that's um, the, the the sort of horror that the situation that Sandy's put in. Yeah, exactly right. And um, Anya Taylor-Johnson does a phenomenal job as Sandy as well, you know, as we sort of see her as this doe-eyed singer wanting to make it big and then she's but with like, uh, broken with like down. venomous confidence too. Oh, yeah, like she's in it to win it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but more than she bargained for when she went for it. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's a... Uh, all the performances were great. Matt Smith was actually quite menacing and surprising for me. He was very I really close. only yeah. knew him as Doctor Who. So, this, and this is not the Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> this is the pimp. Yep, but uh, but a uh, quite a nasty one at that. Like he, he's not, he's not one of the nice pimps. No, but do you get what I mean? He tricks them into it. It's like yeah, yeah. yeah and, then, that and then whole sort of like, huge. Yeah, she's stuck in it. <laughs> like auditioning and all these sorts of things. It, it's like quite horrible how it sort of goes about. And it, it's good because it helps that whole slow reveal that occurs um, mm. where we're following this, where uh, Sandy thinks she's going one way and um, mm. uh, Ellie sort of thinks it's like a, a romanticised version of things and she's getting to live this life and happily going back to the house to try and go to sleep and mm. yeah it becomes like a drug for yeah if um, it, yeah because it gives her a sense of familiarity in a way because obviously being in london is not good for her she's surrounded by all these people that she can't possibly relate to because they're all so horrible and they're all obsessed with themselves so wanting to go to sleep to enjoy this place that she feels secure in of course she would want to mm. Yeah, given, um, given her sort of the, the past story that we get mm-hmm. teased of as well. Yeah. And I guess also um, with performances, um, Diana Rigg um, in her last um, acting credit before she passed away, she's always good to watch. She's just, you know, a master at it. Mm, there's this very kind of feels like a minor character initially. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I guess we could, uh, I guess we should go down spoiler alley here because i would like to talk about the ending yeah let's talk about the ending <laughs> no, that's you, fine if you haven't seen last night in soho guys this is your warning go see it and then come back to us but that this is not a uh sandy is not the ghost in our story no she's actually a serial killer and it's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice touch that the the uh that 
I think for the, for the majority of the film, you think that Sandy is the victim of this story, and that she—I mean, not that she's not a victim, mm. but that she's that she's the dead person that we're trying to get justice for, or in mm. some way, as with all of these kind of ghost movies. Mm. Uh, and then we we realize that it's uh, actually all of these uh, sort of monstrous shapes that keep haunting Ellie are actually the uh, the the ghosts. Yeah, and that Ellie is. Uh, Living comfortably in her in her house, packed full of corpses. <laughs> They're all in the walls and the floors yeah. and the ceiling and wherever else. So yeah, it's a it was a nice horrific reveal in that sense um, mm. that it made it made sense why you'd have so many ghosts and why she'd be transported. Why it was so potent place. for her? Yeah, because mm. they'd all been killed in the room and that's <laughs> exactly where she was. Um, mm. So it, it was done very, very well. Uh, I, I sort of found the needing for them to ask for help, but then almost attacking her a little bit out of whack every once in a while because it, it sort of mm. went too it's, far. It, where it, it was looked like they like were really from to... Sandy's perspective. Like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so I think it was, it didn't quite. Then they're like, they're chasing completely. places. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but it still it still works incredibly well, and it's a, a really nice impact at the end of the film. The other thing I, I sort of found interesting in it was the use of the music because yeah yeah it's all this sixties music, but there was the originals of what down the track probably became more famous for their covers. Mm. It only makes sense. I mean, Ellie would probably only hunt down the original. She wouldn't necessarily care for the cover. It's, it's no, I know that. But that, again. but that choice of the music, it, sort yeah. of, it, it almost, um, I, I sort of wish there was more of a link because it was a nice way of bringing past and present together as well. Mm. So, you know, when you're hearing there's always something there to remind me and uh, got my mind set on you, the originals, but then mm. you down the track in the 80s, you had these songs re redone and probably mm. more popular then than in the 60s. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was a nice use of that, bringing the two uh, different time periods, I'll call it, rather than being specific to decades uh, together. And it sort of paralleled what was going on. And uh, I just thought it was a really nice, neat thing going on there that I think was very purposeful. Yeah. And I think as well on the topic of music, whenever you see Ellie go back into the 60s, you just, the sound changes completely everything becomes more intense much louder it's like you're in the room with her or in the ball scenes and all that kind of stuff it's very affecting and it just lets you immerse in the whole experience mm. yeah it was really it was a nice touch yeah and it's that sort of um his he he knows how to shoot things in a really interesting way which i think we sort of got in Scott Pilgrim, but he's certainly uh, taken the foot off the accelerator as far as his editing goes. <laughs> and we get this like a little more immersive kind of rather than like sh shit stuff flying at me all the time. And like her initial entrance down that, uh, that like alleyway, that sort of of light that expanded out into this glorious like 1960 street with like a lush thunderball poster and mm. it was gorgeous yeah i love the scene as well when um sandy's walking down the stairs and um you see ellie in the mirror walking down with yeah. her and she's like looking in awe in the whole space i thought that was such a beautiful but 
kind of restrained kind of use of camera work and effects. It was so good. And like the uh, elevator scene where she was, mm. um, it's almost like Ellie's first kiss. Yeah. This is, is in yeah. the same situation and um, is, is, is living it in this bizarre mirrored reality, which was really nice. And then the end where he, he the use of mirrors and glass as a motif is pretty mm. much through the entire film. And then when we, we snap into serial killer stabby movie, Mm. It, it uses it again with this set of stairs and it's quite like whoa yeah <laughs> which was really nice mm. i really liked that i like that and that 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 shot of her coming like of sandy coming to kill her was like oh, like this is like at least looks really cool yeah. <laughs> yeah no i really enjoyed seeing this it was sort of refreshing mm. to get a film that was being original i, I think it's a very original film in itself as concept and execution. So uh, I'm liking the fact that Edgar Wright's heading down this track of trying to just do his own thing and there's none of this regurgitation because I, I could imagine he would have been tempted to keep doing his sort of uh, Cornetto type the, the films. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't and he's really showing this uh, really great uh additions to cinematic universe if you want of everything it's sort of like it's, yeah he, it's he's original he's i think from like the the cornetto trilogy is very interesting in in i guess a, a way of um not quite i don't know if parody is the right word mm. they're kind of love letters more than parodies i think yeah but then from scott pilgrim as a superhero movie to baby driver as kind of the action heist, heist. movie to to this as a as a horror film they're they're three movies that are so unique visually and they've, they've got but you can tell it's him yeah yes everything sort of ties together you know you're watching an edgar wright movie yeah, yeah he's the way he sort of edits to to music almost mm -hmm. like like i mean baby driver is like the best music video you've ever seen like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the way he crafts action scenes around choices of music is is glorious and tell stories through the music too in terms of like the deaf characters touching the speakers and things like that yeah. and i think um yeah this this takes on a sort of more sinister mm. but a very lush and pretty mm. look at the 60s but it's not as the gutters closer than you want it to be <laughs> yeah i i was thrilled to go see a movie like this it's been so long since i've seen something that's just captured my interest in this kind of way so thank you edgar wright <laughs> yeah it was like after sort of a run of really mediocre <laughs> not to point fingers at halloween kills or anything as far as bad horror movies go lately but um yeah it was like oh this is good mm. yeah that was that was that was a nice feeling yeah <laughs> to I've walk out one... of the movie like ah <laughs> i got one final criticism though the the closure sequence of success in the fashion world. I'm no fashion critic, but those designs were woeful. <laughs> she's supposedly she's everyone's wowing about. I'm just like, going, that looks like it's gaffer tape with. <laughs> I don't. Just... I don't mean to criticize your criticism, but have you ever watched one of those fashion shows? Oh no, none of it, it makes any. You get what I mean? Sense. It was just sort of. Like, I, I know it needed closure, but I just sort of, I think that was a little bit too far. And it, and the fact that it wasn't that impressive in the end, 
Yeah. I was happy watching the house burn down and was kind of comfortable leaving it there. Yeah, yeah same. Because, yeah. you know, I enjoyed Derelict much more in terms of a fashion show than, <laughs> than that one. Um, uh, it's, yeah, but I guess you, you sort of needed that closure because otherwise it would have been quite a nasty you have right at the end. Um, it would have been yeah. a grim ending, like Promising Young Woman. Yeah. Mm. yeah. <laughs> uh. But that's it's it's a really light criticism. It's not not one where I. It's go, not a make oh, or break I, ending. Yeah, I didn't walk out going, "Oh, that's it. That just ruined it." <laughs> that fashion was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, because it was throughout, it, throughout it, it's amazing production design. And so, yeah, it was just weirdly underwhelming. <laughs> you heard it here, everybody. Jason is the next Tim Gunn of fashion in movies. Yeah, so that's right. <laughs> I give it three uchs. <laughs> <laughs> Make it work. <laughs> Last night in Soho. Check it out. You will do yourself a favor. It's mm. It's absolutely worth it. Cool. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Popped Culture. I've been Scott. I think I'm Jason. And I'm still Monica. So poorly dressed. <laughs> <laughs>Culture is produced by and recorded by Jason Eddy, Monica Bordo, and Scott Souter. The clip for this week's show was a trailer for Last Night in Soho, and the song at the end was Last Night in Soho by Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mike, and Tick. Hard to believe why those guys aren't around anymore. If you're enjoying the podcast, guys, please I invite you to jump on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It helps us expand the show and reach new listeners. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we're available at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash popculturepod, on Twitter, popcultureau, we're on Instagram, and we're on YouTube. Thanks, guys.